0: so glad to be here with you guys this morning. I'm so glad to jump into this work together. We're going to do that in just a second. Man, I don't want to just kind of gloss over that last little bit. I just want to kind of think about that for just a moment. Man, if you don't know, Tommy's really good at his job, so the words were up there, I think, by the second box. The last song wasn't planned. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, I don't have to ask anybody except for Jesus. And he said, go for it. So. <laughs> he did. Think about it. Just to be able to say this morning, it's all positive view. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know where anybody's at in the house this morning. I have no idea. But what I do know is um, you're breathing. if that's all you've got this morning, that's him. That's right. mm-hmm. I don't know what this week looked like, I don't know what last week looked like, I don't know what this past month or whatever it looked like for you, but what I know is this morning you got breath in you, which means you got hope in you, because right. you are still here, and That is not done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I just, just want to kind of pause on that for you. Also need this moment just in them to say thank you because they walked in here feeling like there was no hope. God, something in them just tripped with the trigger, and some wall just shattered. And for some reason, in this moment, gathered around the cross of Jesus, they see there it is. And for whoever that is that I'm telling your story this morning, we just want to stop for a minute and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that our best days are out there, not back there. The best days are ahead of us in you. Thank you for the cross that on the worst day in the the history of the universe God displayed, even in the worst moments, God still has a plan. And there is still a future. There is still a hope. And there is still something out there. And three days later, Jesus popped up out of the grave to show that even death cannot hold back Amen. the power. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. This morning, if death cannot beat Jesus, nothing you got can. Amen. But God you just thankful. And you cling to that in the so, This morning we're going to be in John 13, if you have your word with you. <clears throat> and so excited about what God is going to say this morning, what God is going to do this morning. And then there's that part of me, that you know, that inward part of me, that's like, "Well, Brad, you just got two verses, so just may not work, Um, but I also recognize and realize that that's the devil, um, because it doesn't matter how many verses I'm reading, it matters what God brings to us this morning. Um, And this morning we're going to be in John 13. Um, Two weeks ago we kind of started out this new year talking about Isaiah 54, where Isaiah comes um, to this people of Israel, the people of Israel who... Uh, he describes as a, a barren woman, a woman without hope, a people without hope, uh, people without a future in their own mind, a people without anything in front of them in their own mind. And Isaiah uh, drops in this uh, amazing word, and he says, hey, barren people, um, hey, people returning from exile, hey, people who feel like the day is over and you've got nothing and there's no future and there's no hope, hey, you guys, as you're returning... I want you to stretch out your tent I want you to expand your ropes I want you to drive your pegs deep Uh, because I just want you to know God is about to expand your influence He's about to expand your kingdom He's about to do amazing work in you and these people would have heard that and been like, I don't know if you get this Isaiah but we're a people that have been beaten down we're a people that we don't feel like any hope is out there. We're a people that, man, we've been destroyed. we were carried away into captivity. We're, we're just a former image of, of what used to be this glorious people. Like, what are you talking about, Isaiah? And he looks back and he says, Your inhabitants are about to, uh, your people are about to inhabit the desolate cities. You're, you're about to push back all the nations because God is about to do such a thing in you that, man, there's no room in this place for what God is going to do, so stretch out your tent pegs. And we said in that moment, committed to God in that moment, that, man, this was going to be the year of that for this place, right? And This was going to be the year for us as a people uh, to, to stretch out our tent and to expand our ropes and to drive our pegs deep. We're, this year, I just want you to know, we're going to do some crazy things. Amen. Amen. And you're going to be like, Brad, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm going to say that's probably true, but uh, I just want you to know that. This is going to be a year that as a church, we dive into what God has for us, and we do expand the tent curtains, and we do drive the pegs deep, because in that same book, Isaiah 54, he looks at the people of Israel and he says, Do not hold back. Do not hold back. We're going to do that, and we're going to trust that God has earned this year, will do an amazing thing so that at the end of this year, um, this place, this, we can't even really comprehend right now what God is going to do in us. Um, but for that to happen, like we talked about last week, we cannot just as a church, as a name, as an organization, as a building, walk into this, but we individually as a people have to walk into this promise. But it doesn't really matter if overflow is stretches out its tent curtains and ropes and pegs if we don't go as a people because the church is a people, not place and last week we talked about that and challenged you uh, to, to read this year to pick up God's word and just to dig into it and to, to learn to love this book and I pray I, I want to do a show of hands because there will be a lot of us that have already fallen off the wagon I know that um, I just want to encourage you again, it's not going to go away. but man, that's not something we lost because we passed it last week. And this, if we're going to do this, we have to have this with us. Amen. And this morning, we're going to, in John 13, see another piece of that. Thursday night, Rick challenged us to love the plan of God. To pray, God, you, love, you help me to love your plan your way. Help me to, help me to shed my way and love your way. And this morning, we're going to dig into another part of expanding those tents. And we're going to do that in John 13. John 13 is uh, starting off at the place in the story of Jesus most of us would refer to as the Last Supper. Now, they didn't advertise it that way. There was no little red cards that went around. It is Jesus' Last Supper. Us. Um, because nobody at the table knew it was going to be Jesus' Last Supper except for Jesus. In this moment, they were sitting down for a dinner just like they'd sat down for many, many times before. This was the Passover uh, dinner. And it had been celebrated by the Jewish people all the way back since they left Egypt. Uh, Very, not before they walked out of Egypt, they celebrated this dinner. And ever since then, once a year, they've done the same thing. The disciples walked into this thinking they knew what to expect. Man, we know what's on the menu tonight. They always eat the same thing the Passover dinner. And we know what's going to be said tonight. We always kind of, read the same thing in the Passover dinner, and and you kind of know how this is going to shake down. We've done about three of these with Jesus now, and it's a pretty normal thing. But this night was different because about six o'clock that night, as they sat down for this Passover dinner, everybody at the table was kind of coming around the same moment except for Jesus. Jesus knew this was six o'clock the night before he was going to be crucified the next morning. Jesus sitting down to this meal would have been thinking totally different thoughts and he sat down under the weight of the coming crucifixion. Not a joyous celebration of what God had done in the past, but Jesus sat down under the celebration of what God was about to do in the future. And he sits down in this moment under the weight of him about to die, right? Try to set him down for dinner under that. Having normal conversation. Jesus sat down for dinner in that moment and he does some crazy things. He washes the disciples' feet, something that would be reserved for the lowest servant in the house, never a job for the master, never a job for Jesus, creator of the universe, but he does. And then he kicks off kind of the Passover conversation with one of you is about to betray me. Imagine the dark cloud hanging over dinner in that moment. One of you guys, my closest friends, my best friends, my buddies, the people I've been hanging out with for three and a half years, you're about to just get up from this table and do something horrible. You're going to betray me. I gave you everything. I poured into you. I gave you love. I watched you, and you watched me, and you spent so much time together, and one of you guys is going to get up and to betrayed me. Not only under the weight of the crucifixion, but knowing one of those closest friends that that... Table is going to be the enactor of that plan. And although those things are crazy, Jesus does something even crazier than that, and that's where we enter the story this morning. In this moment, after he says, One of you is going to betray me, Judas gets up and leaves the table, Jesus says these words in 33 his children. I'm with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I tell you. Can you imagine you're in that, sitting down at the dinner with Jesus, thinking everything's going to go as in, everything's going to go normal, everything's going to be the same way it's been, and just click through the Passover dinner. You're going to get up and you're gonna go do whatever you normally do after Passover dinner, I mean, the the Jesus comes in, he washes the feet, he tells the disciples one of them is going to betray him, and then Jesus does something even crazier than that. He says to them, I'm leaving. Get out of here. And you can't come. Imagine the 11 guys gathered around the table in this <clears throat> moment who have left everything, right? The thought would have been, What do you mean? Jesus, this was not part of it. Like when you walked out to my boat and you said, come follow me, and I did, like I was pretty sure that was going to be a forever thing. These men had given up their jobs, these men had given up their livelihood, these men had given up some of them, their, their families, their maybe homes. And for three years, three and a half years, they've they walked around with Jesus. They don't have to decide anything. I don't have to decide when I'm getting up, So if Jesus goes, I'm going to go, right? I don't have to decide when I'm sitting down, because if Jesus sits down, I'm going to sit down. I don't have to decide when I'm going to eat, because whatever he's having, I'm going, to eat. I'm going with him. He makes bread. It's weird. <laughs> Three and a half years, all they had known was, I'm with Jesus, and Jesus is with me. And then into that moment, Jesus speaks this weird thing. He says, I'm with You can't come. And I can't can't even imagine hearing that, can you? Like if you just walked into the room today and he was like, hey, I know that you've given up everything to follow me, and that was awesome, but I'm pissing out, and um, you are not coming. That would be hard to hear. Jesus, you do amazing things. He even given them the opportunity to leave before and they can, where else do we go? I hear your your words. You're the giver of life. I hear that God. I you're the Messiah. Where do you? go? And in this moment, Jesus doesn't even give them a choice. He says, I'm getting out of here. and You're not going. I just want you to know, at this moment in time, the only person that knew Jesus was going to the cross was Jesus. Jesus had taught the disciples over and over and over again, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me, but it just always went over their head. And here in this moment, Jesus says, I'm leaving. And what they're not thinking is, oh, you're going to the cross, and I don't want to be on one of those. (laughs) They're thinking, one of us is going to betray you, and you're going to go into hiding, and I've given up everything, and I'll come with you. Actually, Peter, even a few verses later, says to him, I would lose my life for you. What do you mean that? What do you mean? what do you mean we can't be with you, Jesus? We want to be with you, we want everything to be with you. I want to go. And Jesus speaks back into that moment not with, well, come on, brother. Not with, we go back to just doing you or run to get away. But he says, i give you a new commandment. We don't want commandment, Jesus. <laughs> we want to come with you. We don't want another rule, of Jesus. We want to be with you. We don't want some more stuff to do. We want to go where you're going. Can you imagine hearing this? Jesus, I'm so frustrated right now because I want to be where you are and you are given me a rule. I don't want a rule. I just want to be where you are. You've been there, right? But Jesus said, I give you a new man. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. She just looks back and says, I give you a command. I'm leaving. You're not going. Before I leave, I want to give you this thing right here. I'm not going to leave. Before I leave, I want to drop one thing in the box with you. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, We must also love one another. think about that and that's like the craziest thing Jesus could have said (coughs) what a stupid way to say Jesus right let's just be honest we're church people Jesus you're leaving us and the best thing you can think of to say is love one another just as you have loved us love one another that's dumb (laughs) you could have said anything could have said, just fill that in there. Just everybody cross that out this morning about "read your Bible," right? Don't do that. <laughs> Jesus could have left this plant with us and been like, "Hey, I just want you to know something. I'm leaving. You can't come, man. You better cling to that word." That would have been a good thing. <coughs> it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. It says last week to read the word we read as newborn new and infants. We should desire to read the word of God. That, that would have been a fine thing to put there. Jesus could have said, hey, I'm leaving this plant. I'm getting out of here. You guys better go to church. You need it. (laughs) He could have put that there, Right there. He's leaving. He could have put, man, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. So you better find your great Christian radio station. And you better just (laughs) tune it to that. As you're riding down the road on your donkey. You better listen to the (laughs) payload. And that would have been worth it, right? It's a good thing. Man, you better dress like all the other people would follow me That's how he says at all, right? See, what's crazy about that to me is, like, if we were to write this book, right, we would put that stuff in there. Man, what's that thing Jesus really wants you to do? Oh, I'll go to church, definitely, right? He wants you to go to church. What's that thing Jesus wants you to do? Oh, yeah, he wants you to listen to Christian music all the time. Just don't listen to anything else. Just flip it over there. Hey, love, same five songs. You will know them. <laughs> You can be tongue-deaf and sing those songs. That's... I'm leaving this planet. Uh, you better learn to dress like a Christian dresses, right? Better not put stuff on, that you don't mark your body up, right? Be like everybody else. See if we were writing this book, those are the things we put in there, right? Because to us, like that's the thing. That's what Jesus is so focused on. Jesus is just sitting up in heaven, waiting and checking our little attendance start our church, right? Setting up in heaven, No, oh, I heard you listen to that song. Some have a man you shouldn't wear them shorts. <laughs> I'm not saying any of those things are necessarily bad things, but I, I like coming to church. I'm here to every time most those times. Those days, those days, those days, but I like being here. But man, that's not what Jesus puts the emphasis on, right? But that's what we put the emphasis on. That's what Jesus puts the emphasis on. Jesus says, "Hey, I'm about to leave this place, and you can't come. So I got one thing to tell you. Just I'm dropping this in your box. Got one thing for you to do. I want you to love each other just like I have loved you. That's how you must love each other." That got me thinking. Why in the world did you? I'll just tell you. If you're not thinking that, then I'm ahead of the game. If you are, I'm just gonna fill it in. Because Jesus knew it was about to take place. Jesus knew he was not going into hiding, right? Jesus knew that he was about to be crucified, and the men that loved him the most, loved him the best, were about to watch this guy, this Jesus, this Messiah, die on a cross. These men were about to watch the Savior be arrested. Just a few hours from now, at midnight. This was probably around seven now, maybe eight. Depending on how long we are into this dinner, but we're going here. This is this is just a few hours before Jesus is going to be arrested at midnight that night. And they were are going to have to watch him be arrested, be thrown in jail, then be tried before Pilate, be nailed to a cross, be beaten, mocked stand upon, and then they're going to have to watch him hang there for several hours and then suffocate on his own blood as the Son of God, the Messiah, dies on truth. Dies <laughs> a sinner's death, a traitor's death. And he knows that in those moments, in those, in those hardest moments probably of their entire life, man, there, there are going to be some thoughts that go through their head, Right? <laughs> Not only am I gonna have to watch my best friend die, I'm gonna have to think these thoughts. Man, hope is over. And I thought he was it. I I thought he was the Messiah. Can you imagine Peter? And I confessed him as the Messiah. I said he was the Messiah. He died. Maybe I was wrong. This can't be the plan of God, the, the plan of God can't be that this man, this Messiah dies, he's supposed to save us but, he, but he's dead now I just wasted three years following this guy around and I've been wrong, I've told other people and I've been wrong and now hope is over and like, i like oh there's nothing out there for me I can't go back and in those moments you know what they don't need oh you better go to church it's not going to do it. The hardest moments of their life, coming in the building, is not going to do anything for them. i sure. just watching my best friend die. I better, better turn on some Christian music. I'm sure that'll do it for me. It'll rev me up. On the hardest day, that's not going to be enough. i better dress like all them other Christian people and go to Cracker Barrel at 1230. <laughs> So, you know, on the hardest day, that's not going to be enough. So Jesus drops this in the box. He's like, I'm about to die, people. Uh -uh. I know you're not getting that right now, and I could tell you, and you would take me off somewhere, and you'd lock me up, and you'd throw me in a hole. That's why I'm not telling you. But I just want you to know, I'm leaving. I'm dying. They're going to crucify me. They're going to hang me on a tree, and I'm willing to do that. I'm ready to do that. I'm great with doing that. But when I do that, it's going to be hard. As you betray me, it's going to be hard. As you watch me suffer and you say nothing, it's going to be hard. As you're sitting there dealing with for the next two days these thoughts, man, maybe it's not him. Maybe we wasted it. Maybe maybe we we blasphemed. Maybe we said that was God and it wasn't. God, maybe we've done those things. As you're dealing with those in the hardest days and the hardest moments, church attendance and songs and reading, that's not going to get you. What you're going to need is each other, is what he's saying. You know what's going to carry you through the hardest moments? Each other. You know what's going to get you through the crucifixion? Each other. You know what's going to get you through? the Watching my hands be pierced with nails? Somebody hold yours. What Jesus is saying in these moments for these men is, you need each other desperately. I'm leaving, and when I leave, if you run, if you take off, if you try to do it yourself, then it's all going to fall apart, you've got to stick together, and you've got to remind each other how I love you. Amen. Jesus, I'm giving you a <laughs> command. i and you can't come to have something for you. I want you to love each other. Just as I love you. And you must not be sure, or you can. You have the opportunity. You've got to It's critical to your existence. You must love each other in that way. You have to do that. That's not what I want, Jesus. I want you. That's not what I want, Jesus. That's not, no, it is how it has to be. You got to go through, but you're not going to make it. So he says this in thirty-five. Jesus already done. He says, "By this, all people (coughs) will know that you are my disciples." if you have love for one another. Now not only as Jesus said, you've got to love each other, it's critical to your existence. He says it's critical to the existence of the church, right? He says, by this one thing, people are going to know that you belong to me. By how you love each other, people know you belong to me. I'm going to say it again, because we need to get this in our hearts by how you love each other, people will know that you belong to me. Not by how you love church. Oh, I love Sunday. I love going in there. I love the songs. I love the message. That's great. You love the church. You love the people. Man, it makes you feel so good just to get dressed up on Sunday, put that towel on. We don't do that here. Put those shoes on. <laughs> See, the truth is, the church has tried to define itself by every other thing, right? I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. I'm a non denominational. I'm a Church of God. I'm a whatever. That's great because you don't love each other. And that's why you split up and make different world tribes all over the world. That's why the world laughs at me. I'm all around, and I'll believe what I believe. And believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, what we most probably do all of we're for a while we try to define ourselves by how we dress when we meet what time we are here what kind of music we listen to what stuff we read what we watch on TV what movies we're allowed to be around we try to define ourselves by every other thing but Jesus says the one thing that will define you will make you stand out will be different from the rest of the world the people will know you're my people and not their people the one thing is not any other thing but how you love each other yeah. Isn't that crazy? Jesus yeah. didn't even say the one thing that will show it is how you love me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love God. I love God. I love God. I see people say all over the place, they don't love one person, God. They just love God. It's really hard to love God and not love yeah. people. And Jesus says, you've got it wrong. It's not your life. It's not your meetings, it's not your buildings, it's not your clothes, it's not your music, it's not what you watch, it's not what you read, it's not any of that stuff. What will define you? What will make you stand out at work, and what will make you stand out at school, and what will make you stand out to the world? What will draw people to you is if you love each other just the way I have loved you. That's how people come coming to know. You know what's sad about that? I'll, I'm to speak frank with us this morning. You know what's sad about that? Because that's the last thing the church is doing. Amen. That hurts, but it's true. Because right? here's the truth. You're here. You're part of the church. Amen. Hallelujah. You're here. And it's your problem. It's not their problem. It's their problem. It's their problem. It's their problem. It's your problem. because It's on your doorstep. you your, the church. We can blame other places, but that makes us the same as the other places. That's the last thing the church is known for. The church is actually known for a lot of things. Hypocrites is popular. That's right. We are. We can get by that. We love each other. Right? Churches, i for fighting. I've been in churches. I've been in the business meeting. It's the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Um, it's where a bunch of people who claim, claim to be in the stead of God stand up and argue and bicker. There's no arguing and bickering with God. Like he, he gives you the plan or doesn't give you the plan. There's no need to fight about the plan. It's either his or his, or his. Yeah. Who, who cares what color the carpet is, really? The world laughs at us because we split churches. Because I want red carpet and you want blue carpet. That's the dumbest thing ever. Amen. The world laughs at us because there's 800 of these little things called churches all along Knoxville, Tennessee today and they're on every road and on every corner and the reason they don't cooperate is because we're afraid somebody's going to steal our people from this place and we ignore the world for fear of somebody's going to steal our people. The most negative. Go to restaurants when you leave the, the people that are dressed up are the worst. I guarantee it. We can find about food, or we do crappy tips. We don't like anything or anybody or clicky. no joy. because you miss this one little piece. And because you miss this one little piece, we are miserable because it doesn't fit, right? I'll be honest, this is a loving place. It is. On Sunday, right? If you can get here, we will love you. And Jesus didn't wait till people got there to what? And Jesus says, love people how I love people. This is how people will know that you're not. Love people how I love people. This is how people will know that you're not. That's what Jesus said. So we have to ask ourselves, we have to come to this thought. Do we love each other like Jesus loves each other? See, the truth is, if this is no different an experience for us than going to the theater, then we have missed out on the point of church. If we come, we pay, we watch, and we leave, we've missed out on church. I'll say it again. If we come, we pay, we watch, we leave, we've missed out on church. This was never meant to be a place that we come and sing songs. All that comes out of the joy of our love for Him. We don't just come here and sing songs because it's time to sing songs. We don't just come here and read the Word because it's time to read the Word. All that comes out of man, we are here and we love Him and we know what He says so we just jump into that. But if sprinkled around that is not I love you and you love me and we're best friends and we got this together, we've missed the point of this thing. What we end up with is a bunch of people trying to walk through life and do Christianity on their own. And it's not a possibility. Can I just say that. Right, because maybe on Sunday it looks great because you're in here and you're isolated and you're cut off. And all your problems are going to stay outside of that door for just a minute. But then when you go back out that door and you're trying to do it on your own again, it's not going to work out for you. So in creeps the negativity. He said, my best days are ahead of me, and it's Tuesday, and I'm not at the best day yet. Right? Because the truth of it is, man, we cannot do this on our own. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm about to leave this place. Jesus is not standing on the stage with us this morning. If Jesus went to work with you, it would be really easy for you to follow Jesus. Right? Physical Jesus just sitting there beside you in the office chair. He's like, click that button, don't click that button, talk to her. We're going to go get lunch now. It would be pretty easy. But physically, Jesus is not standing here on this plane. And that makes it hard through the week sometimes to encounter his love. Right. That makes it hard through the week sometimes to fill this plane for you, right? That makes it hard through the week to ignore and to run from sin sometimes, right? That makes it difficult. And the reason is because we were never meant to do this on our own. So Jesus looks at these people and he says, I'm about to leave. I'm going away and you can't come. But I have a command for you. I got something for you. I want you to keep on loving each other. Just like I loved you, I want you to love each other. You must. I love that. He didn't say, it's a good idea, or it's a great plan, or man, it'll help you, or you should, or even, man, you could. He said, you must. See, there's one essential fragment to the Christian life that most of us are living and We wonder why we're missing, and we're wondering why we're not really getting good at it, and it's because of this. Because Christianity has become defined by where we come and where we meet and how we dress and what we sing and what we listen to and all those other things and really what God said was here's the thing that should define it how you love each other. You yep. can't do it alone. I have a system where you don't have to talk to church. But I want you to know today, this morning that church is not just a group of people that come and listen to the same thing on Sunday morning. Church is a group of people that are meant to love each other and be loved by each other. See, the truth of it is, Jesus was not a part-time lover. He didn't just pop in on the disciples on Sunday and be like, Hey, I love you guys. Just want you to know going to be great. I'm going to hug you and we am get out of here. I'll see you again on Sunday. It'll be great. Just go out there and do the thing. Go do the thing. It'll be amazing. But every single day, he walked with thing. You taught them what love looked like. And I'm not saying you got to let people from church move into your house or anything like that. <laughs> but what I am saying is, if you contact people when you're in this building and you never see them again, and we never make the effort to reach out, and we never make the effort to open ourselves up to be reached, and we are going to fail miserably at what God has do for us. Amen. We're going to fail miserably at actually following Jesus. We're going to fail miserably at looking and learning to be a disciple. You can't do it in isolation. That's why God in Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. It has nothing to do with the message. You have a Bible to read at it home. It's nothing to do with the songs. You have radio, listen to them and talk. We come here to experience love and to share and when the church becomes known by that, you'll we'll see something radically different take place Amen. in this city, mm-hmm. in the families, in this world. Mm-hmm. Everybody on the planet has one common need other than being in And that's to be loved. You know the reason people march in the streets? Uh, not even on that. Because they don't feel loved. You know the reason people rant on social media about their opinion? But it really doesn't matter. I don't care if you're up about, something or not. They <coughs> don't feel loved. They don't feel noticed. They feel ignored. You know the reason people trickle in here and trickle out of here when they come back? We have the best music in the world. But if we don't have love, consistent love, we'll lose people. You know the reason that people have death in their family, that they flee from the church sometimes for weeks or months or years? If somebody died, we went to the funeral, and then we dropped it. And they had to struggle in the faith. Because we weren't going to walk with them. In the most difficult moments of your life, you will flee the church if the church is not church to you. And I just want to say to us this morning, what that means on several levels is, one, to be able to share that, we have to have experienced it. If you've never experienced the love of God, you can never show anybody else the love of God. If you've never been loved by Jesus, how can you love other people? You love people. But once you have, you have to love those around you. You can't just swing in and swing out. This is not what you You can do that over and over and over again and then wonder why your life never changes during the week. You can give up or struggle. Or you can allow yourself, open yourself up to be loved by the people around you. And the second part of that is, as the church, if you're really good at being loved, you also have to extend it. Amen. That's right. I cannot love everybody every day the way that they need to be loved. So I need you. Help. When somebody's not here, you have to reach out and figure out why. When somebody's sick, you have to reach out and take the food to their house. You've you got to do that. We're not supporting you. We can. We don't have to. Somebody's struggling. Somebody's hurting. Somebody's broken. You, you, you can be there. I don't know the Bible. You know how to love somebody. And I make mean, it so complicated. Jesus just says, you know, about uh, I'm leaving. But I got one thing you can do while I'm gone. You, you can love each other. Just like I love you, you can love each other. And if you'll do that, maybe the world will be changed. If you do that, it'll make a difference and make an impact as you have know, the meteor in the center of the planet kind of thing. It would be monumental because the world has something I built into every part. And that's what it to be You can do it for me.